Pretty good. You might be a one-armed shooter. Okay, I'll try it. Just, yeah, just loosen it up. Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Yeah! You smoked him! I smoked him. Come on! I think I'm getting better than you. Now, let's not get ahead of yourself here, okay? It's one thing to hit a target that's standing still, but think about it when the heat's moving in. Oh yes, I love her like Egyptian on the description, my royal highness. So many pluses when I bust that there can't be no modest. Went from yelling crickets and crows, bitches and hoes to queen things. Over the years I've been up on my toes and yes, I sing things like Kiroy. Chiroy, because them folks might think you soft talking like that. Man, fuck them niggas, I'm going off and coming right back like boomerangs when you throw them. With these old ghetto poems, think it is better for them when they can let they throw them. Down from hitchhiking and fighting niggas into the temple they call the body. Now everybody got it, had it, talked about it amongst their friends. Coming around my Looking jazz and wanna pretend like you miss good at both shoes. Even Bow knew that you got coached. Like acupuncture patients while our nation is a broke, straight sinking. I hate thinking that these the future mamas up by chilling. They fucking a different nigga every time they get the feeling too. I'm willing to go the extra kilo. Hi and welcome to the Unnamed Movie Podcast. This is Andrew. NBA's back. This is Damien. And this is Douglas. And that was an overly long clip of Outcast music. No, because there's no I such thing. No one is going to be upset listening to Outcast. And if you are, you can stop listening to the podcast. <laughs> Outcast is the best. I mean, What's cool? their, their number four. Number four. All right. Outside of DMX, who is above them? Because I know you have to have DMX above them, right? Quali, Common, and I mean... I. I, I still love Nas. I'm a psychopath. He he went off the rails in the latter part. Um, part of me wants to give it to Jay Z, but Jay Z lost his mind earlier than Nas did. So I'm. But he came back though. Ooh. I think he came back with it. Like like Jay- current Jay Z, I liked a lo- I like a lot. Me? Like uh-huh. there was a, there was that period between the pseudo retirement and current Jay Z that kind of went crazy. No dog. Uh-uh. Am I saying bad things now? No, is it I, not... listen, I don't know. I'd never listen to a new Jay-Z album again. <laughs> it's never going to happen. There was one, like, let's say 10 years ago, like after his second retirement that people were like, oh, this one's the good one. And like it, it was so bad that I just decided to just eat the loss and never listen to that album again. I was like, all right, I just went throw away this CD and pretend it didn't happen. Um, yeah, Jay-Z, that's one way to treat it. Yeah, man, Jay Z's been bad for a very long time, but he's only bad by the standards of me listening to good rap in the late nineties, early two thousands. Um, you mean com- the best year? Yeah, compared to what it is now, it is Jay Z is probably still one of the <laughs> the best rappers out there. This far, I don't know. Um, uh, but yeah. Um, is there, I mean, Buster Rhymes should technically be above there. And just so you know, any list that I have doesn't have Missy in there. Cause Missy is number, like Missy is basically what you think DMX is to me. That is what Missy actually is. Oh, wow. Yeah. There's no, I actually knew that about you. I didn't know you were that much of a Missy yeah, person. Um, there's, wait, I have questions. Yes. Right. 
because like Missy for me, mm-hmm. right? Missy is the Superfly album, the Super Duper Fly album. Right. And then everything after that is just a melange of dance music, which I've come it's to appreciate. Mm-hmm. Right? right. I've come to appreciate. But at the time, like it was just kind of like random sounds that weren't like cool songs to me. Right. Mm-hmm. No, I like I get them and I and are there, but I still wouldn't rank her up for me. Like it's just that Superfly album to me. So the I've had this I, I had this argument with a couple of people um already. And the thing with Missy is she's the only one that's done it for 30 years. Like her level and the song she puts out, they're not they're not the type of rap music that clearly you want, Andrew, and I get that. But Missy makes party music and every single decade that you can remember. There's a Missy song that rules at least one summer. Nobody else can say that. DMX can say it. Jay-Z can say it. No one else can do it. Missy is the only one that has ever done it. I 90s, it 2010s, she did it. Last year or the year before, they had her perform at the Grammys. Mm-hmm. And generally, I don't give a shit about the Grammys. One thing I do like about the Grammys, and I do it after the fact of the show being aired, is I love to go and watch the live performances. Right. Right. Um, the they had her come on and do like a medley performance of like all of her music over the years, mm-hmm. and I think it was the first time in a long time I had thought about Missy outside of that album that I'm talking about, mm-hmm. the Super Duper Fly album, and I'm like, yeah, I get it, Missy. Yeah. Like you, you, mm-hmm. the thing you wanted to succeed at, you have yeah. succeeded at amazingly. Right, right. Mi- mi- there was never a point where Missy lost. Like, come on, lost his way. Jay Z got too rich and lost his way. DMX came out up, was too free for too long and lost his way. <laughs> Eminem is probably the only other one that's been consistent, but people grow out of Eminem's music. If you're not 18 and living with your parents, Eminem doesn't appeal to you. There's no 30 year old people with jobs going home to listen to Eminem. That's not the type of music he's making. Is modern Eminem still speaking to the 18 year old? Yeah, that's, that's all he does. He's just an angsty white man. It it was cool when he was young. I'm not about that life. Like, you can't be complaining, dog. You're a cajillionaire. I don't want to hear it. Uh, I remember making that joke about him, like, at the third album. Where I'm like, I can't do this with you anymore. Right, because you grew out of it. We were 14 with the first one. And by the time you were, like, 20, you're just like, I can't with you and this anymore. Um, But Missy only makes bangers. Like, there's no up and down with Missy. If a Missy track comes out, it is a banger. And you listen to it where you li- it's party music. But she makes some of the best. And all of her songs only sound like Missy songs. That's the other thing a lot of these other rap people don't get to say. There's a lot of people that sound like Jay-Z, sound like DMX, sound like Nas. No one sounds like Missy. None of these other girls out here don't sound like Missy. They're not even trying. Missy is wholly unique, but two things um, is to her is is negative. One, she's a woman, and this world is still this world. And two, she's not hot, so she do she doesn't get the Beyonce treatment because you don't get to look look at Missy and go, all right, more on there with Missy. So it pushes her down, but that doesn't change the fact that. If I play a Missy song at any party, no one will ever question, why are you playing this? 
and I Can't Stand the Rain is as good now as it was. Like, if you hear that song, you immediately start singing it, and there's no, oh, this was cooler. Like, there's no Hot Boys effect, where <laughs> you listen to Juvenile, you're like, boy, the late, the early 2000s were a different time and place. <laughs> None of that has happened to me. So, Everybody, welcome to the unnamed 90s hip hop yeah, music podcast. Um, right. Um, there's a guy called. We're going, to, we're going to get signed by NPR yeah, no, really quick. No, don't do that. And we'll talk to Bob Boylan and see how, what uh, he has to say. There's a young man called Lil Baby who um, I kind of like him. I've but, heard that name thrown around. I don't know if I've actually listened to any uh, songs. But he his subject matter is um it is i mean he's younger than we are so i understand why this is the case he's not singing songs for 30 odd year old men he's but he's basically um he's singing about the things young rap people sing about uh, right <laughs> right <laughs> right but he is he's good i like him um and douglas we already know joey badass um, there's he West Side Gun and him and some other people put out a track this year, which is he it did the thing that Joy Badass has been doing for me for the last couple of years, which is transporting me back to the 90s. Like the beat, their flow, everything feels like it didn't come out in 2020, feels like it came out at some point in the 90s. And I've always enjoyed that, but I know that that is specific to people who grew up listening to 90s music. And that's not what the kids <laughs> want today. And you'd be real dumb if you're a rap artist trying to make music for people my age. You're wasting your time. <laughs> it's, it's like I'm looking through like my listening history recently. Mm. And first of all, I listen to so little rap in comparison to Teenage Andrew. Yeah. Like, but... Even then, so like the rap albums I'm listening to is like albums from way back. So yeah. like the the one the one that is new to me, but I know is like an older album. Anyways, I was, I've been listening to the MF Doom Mad Villainy album. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was re-listening to the Wu Tang into into the Wu Tang Thirty Six Chambers. Yep. And stuff that, like that. Yeah, man, that's recent. <laughs> Thirty um, years is recent. Right? <laughs> like. I I come to the decision that Wu-Tang Clan, as much as I never really think I loved any specific album of Wu-Tang that much, mm-hmm. um, I always love rap groups where there are maximum three people, <laughs> right? Sure. If you have more than three people on any one song, you push too in. many people, yeah, right? So when Wu-Tang Clan comes out with eight people on a track, yeah. I'm like, oh, um, but... Their early albums, apparently, they did what I liked, which is they're like, all right, this is the Method Man track you like. Mm-hmm. This is the RZA track. This yep. is the ODB track. And you're like, I'm good. Right? Um, but how did we walk down this path? I don't know. Because uh, you started playing um, Outcast. Yes. And I ran everyone that didn't like Outcast off the podcast. <laughs> um, um, is that why Douglas isn't allowed to talk anymore? It's, it's Douglas it's, has to love Outcast. What are you talking about? <laughs> What? I'm messing with him. The I'm only person who, with a specific claim to not liking Outclass would be me because I don't like the Andre Um and what's the other guy? 
their double album. The Speak Up Ups and Love Below. Right. Um, I definitely feel like as the years have gone on, that album has like tempered and gone down the list. Stop it. Um, Like, put it this way. Put it this way. If we're talking up, like, while I think if I were to take that album and like cut it down to like a one disc Mm -hmm. album, I could get a great album. Right? right, I think like with every track in that album, like it has a hit hit rate that's like not that high. No, I, I think the hit rate is is on point. Um, Andre three thousand that side of the album, I know mm-hmm. is not for everybody, but Big Boy's album is great yeah, too. Big and, Boy's album is tremendous. Yeah, and Big Boy is somebody who. So the opposite has happened to me, right? I remember when that album came out, I was all pro Andre 3000. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, fuck this big boy. Um, yes, this rap shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? But what's happened to me is I still I maintain Andre 3000 um, at the, the highest level. But that big boy album has come up more and more up. for me. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And yeah. I've realized I haven't followed him as, as closely as I should. And I've only I only have maybe a couple of his albums since that one where he went um, solo, but Big Boy like he's he's still making proper albums, you know. Yes. He's really. I've cool. listened to like I know I listened to the Fantagram album yeah, the that he Grams. did, yeah, yeah. the big which I I liked. Um, he had another solo album. I had heard like a track from it on like a he did a tiny disc, mm-hmm. um, which. Like he did the hits and he did like one new track and I really love that new track. I've forgotten the name now. And then I went and listened to that album. I'm like, oh, I just like that one track. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I know it's, it's me, but I really, really like his albums. Um, the, to be fair, I obviously haven't listened to all his albums since he's right. um, been, he's been himself, working. All of the albums I have listened to and I've listened to more. I've listened to at least three of them, maybe four. No, yeah, at least three. They're all good. How many how many times has he talked about being cooler than a polar bear's toenail? Um, how many times has Jay Z said he's um, you know Over. Rockefeller? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> all the time, just non-stop. Art <laughs> <laughs> is the only thing he has at this point. How many times does Biggie say "baby, baby," and he only has two? Albums? <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> I mean, but cooler than a polar bear's toenail—that's like a whole thing, right? <laughs> Like Hova is like that's like that's like not even a line. That's like something he says like while he's just like chilling out on the side. Like he puts that into a line of like any other every How other song. Does Pusha T say I'm your pusher? Like uh, yeah, he says it when he wakes up. I do like I do like the Pusha T album. Yeah, me too. A lot. Yeah, so that's another I, one. You should, that, look, that you should look and see if he has put out another one in the last year. No, he, he didn't. He has. I think he pushed this out, year? Maybe not this year. I know he, okay. I think he put out two albums last year alone, something like that. Yeah. Because I love this Daytona album. Um, how have we turned into a music podcast? Maybe that should be our pivot. <laughs> our pivot is, we've given up on movies because the year, because COVID has We're just going to pivot and talk about music. Yeah. <laughs> Except we can't do that either because the people who will listen to us. Uh, you you can't do this and have Douglas on this podcast because <laughs> oh, Douglas God. will listen to absolutely anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love my music. Saint Panther, Damian. Oh, yeah. Douglas. Yeah. Well, Douglas doesn't have musical taste. He has. 
it's not taste if you eat absolutely everything. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of saints, um, I just found out that Saint Vincent has an album coming out in the next few months. Yeah, Woo, I am so happy. Yeah, I heard so on that, that note. Mm-hmm. I think we have planned this week to discuss um, first the film from the duo Alex Houston Flesher and Eleanor Wilson. That's right. um, A Brooklyn couple (laughs) run away to the the wilderness to get away from their phones and end up in the middle of a alien invasion, the film Save Yourselves. Mm -hmm. Okay. One, two, three. Hello, this is Jack. And Sue. We are going offline for one whole week. I would love to do something tangible. I want to figure out who I am. But we will be back June 9th. No laptops, no phones, no connecting to anything. Thank you. I've been restoring my grandfather's cabin upstate. Actually, y'all should go up there. Uh, I mean... That would be great. Yeah. We're not checking our email either, guys, and we're not kidding. So, yeah. Save yourselves. Douglas, save me now. <laughs> Take me away. Take Please. Away, away, away. Um, so, yeah, save yourselves. This movie is exactly what it looks like. It's fine. Um, I don't have a lot of notes on this movie, probably because... I didn't write notes while I was watching and I watched this movie maybe three days ago and I already have forgotten most of what happened. Um, It is a movie that you you enjoy um, to a certain degree while you're watching it. It's, you know, something you can put on in front of you and waste some time. It's it's clearly not cinema. I do... There are some things that um, I did enjoy. First of all, the... The comedy, it's fun. It's obviously a specific brand of comedy. Um, it's like, you know, I am entitled um, and don't know how to do anything for myself kind of comedy. And if that's your, your lane, then this is for you. Um, but there are a couple of things that I did enjoy. Uh, for some reason, just the, the phrasing of poof on the roof, I, I thought was, was great. I, I really like that. Um, uh, there's and, also the um, Big Soap, Little Soap song, <laughs> which I so, quite enjoyed. So, I literally don't remember that, Damien. Oh my god, <laughs> so, how forgettable this movie! I watched it last night, I remember that gag. <laughs> yeah, that's like um, one of the few things. <laughs> and you know, um, I enjoyed things like the, the, um, the lady who, by the way, she shows up in the most random of things and I really enjoy um, seeing her in, 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 in stuff. She is in Glow and she's great in Glow. Um, yes. But she literally... So they, they run away from the internet and in running away from the internet, she brought the internet with her in a notebook and I thought that that was, that was kind of dumb and fun. Um, and a, a specific thing, there is a scene... I call it um, canoe yoga, but I know that's not actually what they were doing. But there's a scene where they're sitting in a canoe, um, like facing each other, eyes closed, perfectly still. It's clear that they've done like a Tom Cruise kind of shot where they're like, all right, you guys need to wait 
for the ripples to stop so that we can film this and make it look pretty. And it was like both a pretty shot and just so ridiculous and, and funny in the sense that why, why are you doing this? Why are you sitting in the middle of, of some sort of pond or lake, whatever that was, um, just like connecting with yourself? What was it? They said, they're, they're, close your eyes and touch. We need to touch, feel each other. Yep. And it was essentially the, the, the Mark Hamill Jedi jo joke where the guy actually tries to feel her and she's like, no, dumbass with your mind. Um, I, lo I love that bit where she's like, not feel me, not feel me up. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but this movie really is just a collection of gags um, surrounding an over-the-top uh, situation, which I think works well in context, but is definitely not any sort of special event or special um, thing. <laughs> what did you guys think? Sir Damien. Oh, oh, all right, cool. Let me get my notes. Cool. Oh, this movie's trash. This is the first <laughs> note. Uh, so it's big soap, little soap song. Uh, is the second note. Uh, and I wrote down these conversations are what people do with when they don't have sports and arms house to talk about. Because uh, conversations in this are. Uh, I mean, they're deliberately so, but they're so vapid and annoying uh, that I didn't find them amusing. I assume some people would. The thing I do appreciate about the movie, um, and this is the second half of the movie. The first half is just them going to a cabin and being uh, two people that you want to strangle at every point. But then they... There's an alien invasion. And the thing the movie gets right is making the aliens as non-threatening as possible. They're just giant furballs. Um, but they have no face. They do, like, they're just... They're tribbles. Right. They're f and you see them earlier in the movie, um, before the movie uh, explains that it's an alien. They're just like, who left that there? And then they go away and come back and stuff. Um, and even when they finally show you that they are um, dangerous, the fact that they're, as Douglas said, they're like poofs on the roof. There's just a giant poof ball. Um, it makes talking about them and how their reactions to them are, that juxtaposition is always amusing. Uh, even in a movie that... I know things it's a dark comedy, but there's not a lot of jokes. There are there are some funnier moments. There are some funnier moments towards the end of the movie. Uh they get jumped. Um and there's a point where they have to um defend a baby, and oh, there's yeah. a point where <laughs> they um, come across something that is clearly alien, but is so distracted by their phones that they don't, they stop, they immediately, even having known that they are in a dangerous situation and are clearly next to something alien, the fact that they have cell service and they're such 
capital M millennials that they immediately start checking messages and all sorts of other things, ignoring the alien thing that is beside them. Yep. Um, and so some, some of that is uh, kind of funny, but the movie, it feels, I mean, it is kind of all over the place. There's points where um, once it's established that there's aliens, they try to do some light horror sections like people go, they separate and go into basements and people are doing all sorts of uh, dumb things. Um, but on a whole, this movie, like Douglas picked the movie and Douglas watched it maybe 48 hours ago and has already forgotten most of this movie. Because yeah. that is what this, this movie is one of the most forgettable movies <laughs> that I've seen. Like halfway through this movie is when I realized I had to take notes in order to remember specific <laughs> things about this movie. Because I had already forgotten what the setup to them going to the cabin was. I still don't actually remember what the reason they they went to the cabin. And it, it doesn't matter. Um, their relationship is cute at points. Um, some of the situations they're in and how um, they react to each other is charming. But on a whole, you're not... And I don't think you're supposed to be cheering for them. I think this is supposed to happen to them. And it is just watching these two people, two of the people that would be least equipped to handle this situation have been placed in this situation. The problem is part of you wants the aliens to kill either one or both of them um, so that these terrible, terrible conversations can stop. Uh, but... Mercifully, the movie is 90 minutes. That is good because they could have drawn, drawn this out. Um, about this movie, I wouldn't even know what I'm recommending if I'm recommending this movie. I don't know what to point to that I can go, oh, you see this? This thing is clever or this thing is good or this thing is... There's, there's outside of the aliens being puffy. <laughs> Excuse me. Yes. The aliens are not a 90s rapper, okay? No, I'm sorry. He changed his name to P. Diddy, sir. <laughs> Actually, what the aliens are, are, are drunks. They're alcoholics. Yeah, yeah man. That's <laughs> but you see, Douglas, if you were making the movie, you would have leaned into that. Yes, I would have. <laughs> there's, like, there's one point where one of the aliens levitate and fart. Uh-huh. And... It was, and then they get like drugged or something like right. that. Right. It was so yeah. far into the movie that you're just like, movie, now is not the time for new concepts. <laughs> like, if you're going to make these things fun, then you should have established that way earlier. Also, you then can't have them going around murdering people. Like, you need to decide what it is you want the threat to be do you want it to be funny or do you want it to be menacing because you can still have the same silly jokes either way like if you had drunk aliens come down 
that looked menacing but acted like drunks and just drunkenly killed people because they're drunks. You could play that off as funny, but that's not what this movie is interested in. Uh, also, the guy has night terrors for no, yeah. no reason. Um, this movie is... I mean, it is. This movie is, is what this movie is. It's one. It is definitely a movie. Boy, is it a movie. Andrew Robinson, please save me. I'm rambling. I love that. I love that review. It's mm-hmm. it's a movie. Boy, I tell um, you. It's almost, it's almost like I coined that one yeah, man. a while back. What a movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that this was not my movie. In In so many ways, this movie felt like it should have been my movie. I mean, I feel like you guys have hit the right points. Like, Thinking about this in a more constructive way, I feel like the movie this wants to be like, if you guys remember, there was the film from a few years back that I remember loving. I, I've not ever watched it since, is Rubber. You're right. Right? Oh, wow. In yeah. the ridiculousness of like how everything played out, yeah. of us tracking it from the, the perspective of this homicidal tire. Right. Right? And how everything just kind of blows out of proportion. With this movie, it just kind of feels like you spend so much time with the jokes being about, oh, the, as Damien puts it, the capital M millennials, right? Where they're like, we're going to reconnect with each other. We're going to try and act like man and woman where like he goes out to chop wood and he struggles at chopping wood because his arms are scrawny because he works indoors on computers or some shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's... It, it the movie just felt boring in that vein in that there was no there was no nothing surprising about the whole thing it just felt kind of like it felt like what it would feel like to watch clerks made today where there've been so oh, many no. movies of that type oh, no. that the derivative nature of it just kind of lets you just walk past it or you're like like i fi- i feel I feel this movie did to me what the movie did to its characters where Damien, you're talking about the end where they get distracted by their phones. Yeah. The movie to me was so, so lazy about its own writing for the most part that I myself was just like, I'm just going to like scroll on Twitter on my phone right. and just listen to what this movie yeah, is. Pray that this movie ends. <laughs> um, even when it gets to like, like, like the one thing I'll give this movie that I think is like noteworthy and amazing is the actual actors, right? The two main actors, uh, mm-hmm. the guy and the girl, they are sort of fantastic. John Reynolds and Sunita Mani. Um, I adore, especially John Reynolds. Like, you guys talk about his night terrors and shit. Like, yeah, as a story device and as, like, a thing that happens, it doesn't make sense and I don't really care about it. But what I did find amazing was just just watching him, like, act in those scenes, like his line delivery of those ridiculous shit. I'm like, he looks like somebody that if I put in the right movie, I can like get behind. I mean, right. The thing I know the girl from other things and I've liked her in other things and I've never seen this fool anywhere, but the acting wasn't the issue with this movie. Like me, neither Douglas or I brought up the actual acting. Cause they, I mean, they did, they played unlikable millennials. They did a, excellent job at it so i agree with you that that part is okay but but yeah the the whole story the whole 
the whole journey that we're taking on this movie, I'm just like, ah, fuck it. Right? <laughs> we found another mediocre movie of somebody who, like, they wrote a shitty script and they just made it. And this is the kind of thing where, like, I feel if we had discovered these filmmakers, like, five movies in, right? We'd be like, oh, they did something interesting. And then, like, we roll back to the beginning. We're like, oh, they started somewhere really bad. Right. So, like, I have, I still, I still believe, like, this is probably just a, a shitty one off script that they that was written and they directed and they did the best they could and whatever yeah. and hopefully they make better things i mean the direction um, i mean the, the look of the film is good um yeah so and the the minimal use of effects um it's okay, it, like, it screams to me as like that first movie yeah man right where like we can't like, put aliens in there if how about we put <laughs> this fuzzy ball and they're just like all yeah. right and not even to say that effects are cheap sort of thing. Because, I mean, in comparison to... And, I mean, it's 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 time. Like, mm-hmm. in comparison to, like, what we would see this being if this was made in the 80s. Like, the effects look relatively great for, yeah. like, what they're, what they're aiming for. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but just... I'm just talking about, like, just the overall, like, story narrative yeah. and, like, the, the goodness... The goodnessity of yes. it all. Right? It's just kind of, like, whatever. Right? Um, but at the same time, uh, we, we feel to have like touched on little pieces here and there. I feel like all those little pieces somehow give me hope of like the next film. Like if they get a good story in I there. I mean, you, you hope directors get better. Yeah. You hope. I mean, um, there was a director that I was planning to never watch anything from again. And then he made one of my favorite movies of last year so. There, I guess there's redemption for everybody. Yep. Um, but this movie, don't watch it. Yeah. It's not good. Yeah. I, I, I am looking forward to right now. I'm like going to the spreadsheet. Wait a second. Was the favorite 20? No, 2018 was New Zealand. I knew that movie was last year. 2020 has been 12 years, but I knew the favorite <laughs> came out last year. What was New Zealand? No, it says uh, it says that the favorite came out in New Zealand in 2018, oh, December I, 2018. I you threw New Zealand in there in a weird yeah. way, and I'm like, what the shit are you talking about? What is happening? <laughs> it's like no, you were some weird reference to um yeah. to hunt for the wilder people. Mm-hmm. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah um unless there's anything else you guys want to say about this shitty thing save yourselves yeah don't don't save yourself actually i'm i'm not as against it as you guys but yeah it's, it's i mean you can't you pick the movie <laughs> so there's always confirmation but everybody does that how do you make dog tooth the alps the killing of the sacred deer and somehow still make lobster and the favorite. It doesn't make any because, sense. Well, first of all, lobster is bad, and second of all, he didn't write the favorite. You should you should rewatch lobster. It's not, especially coming from the abs. Like after we saw the abs, we knew that this. I was certain this was a wrap. Lobster is the thing that got me to watch the next two movies. Because lobster, I'm like, oh, all right, I can see there's some improvement here. And then he made Killing of the Secret there, which I did not like. And then I think Andrew had to like 
uh, metaphorically and physically twist my arm to get me to watch yeah. the favorite. Yeah, and I was then just after like, no. I, I, I held out. Yeah. The two of you had to double team me. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> I was just like, oh. Douglas, yo. <laughs> Douglas, I wouldn't do Dancing. this to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, save yourselves. We're going to save ourselves and move right along. Ah, I see what you did there. Uh, you're a big pun. Okay. Yep. Um, I was about to remember a line from the song, but I can't, so I just moved on. <laughs> <laughs> um, the moving along before we get into like what we've been watching, 2020 has been a very long year. Yep. But one of the things that 2020 years. has been begging, has been has been teasing us with, is finally the ability to discuss a new film from one Mr. Christopher Nolan, and here oh, we are finally at the end of the year mm-hmm. to discuss Tenet. We all believe we've run into the burning building. But until we feel that heat, we can never know. You do. You chose to die instead of giving up your colleagues. That test you passed? Not everybody does. Welcome to the afterlife. So yes, it's 2020. The world is ending, but Christopher Nolan saved movies with the film that is Tenet, starring John David Washington, Robert Robert Pattinson, Kenneth Branagh, and Elizabeth Debicki in a spy film to come through the ages as one protagonist must save the world from its end and there's things reversing time and all sorts of shit's happening. Um, I don't know if you want to start off, Damien. I don't know how you want to handle this. Okay. I know you are... While while we are all fans of Mr. Christopher Nolan, yes. I don't think any of us would fight you for the title of King of Nolan fandom. Of the fan club, yes. I of think the fan you'd, club. You'd all lose... Um, Terribly. But um, I don't know if you're more interested to hear from us first or if you want to like completely blow this out of the water. No, man, you guys, I mean, you guys feel I kind of touched on it um, last week. So let's hear what I, I mean, you had, you had laid eyes on it, but didn't actually watch it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I want to hear from you to see if uh, the second, the actual watching was uh, worth it. For you. So first of all, as as all Christopher Nolan films, for the most part, I feel most of them kind of fall into this category. He designs his films in a way in which rewatches are beneficial. Yes. Right. Um, and even though, as you have claimed, when I saw this film over the summer, um, when I went to the drive-in in Oakville, um, I technically quote unquote saw the film. Mm-hmm. But I heard almost nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like, it's one of those things where like, imagine just going and having a shitty movie experience, i.e. going to Caribbean every week. Yep. And on, occasion, <laughs> and on occasion, like eventually, like halfway through, you're just not even paying attention anymore. You're just kind of describing Caribs. You're just sitting there being like, I'll just wait until this is over so I can go home. Andrew, you don't um, remember that me and Douglas saw a Star Trek movie 
that third one. And Douglas and I were just like, listen, I'll watch this movie when it comes out properly because I don't know what I was looking at in that theater. <laughs> yeah. um, so, oddly enough, though, there was, there was enough that I remembered visually from the film that mm-hmm. I already caught myself like catching things on rewatch catches, like when the movie started up and I rewatched it this week, um, which I found fascinating. And I continue to be interested in like watching this movie repeatedly to like capture more as to what's going on. However, to talk about the story a little bit. So what people know is that this movie is a spy movie. It's John David Washington is like a spy going around the world. And they have found this science technology in which people can reverse time on objects somewhat kind of thingy so that they move in reverse. Um, So like bullets go back into guns and people pick up things off the ground by just moving their hands. And the movie does the thing that Chris Nolan loves to do, which is like it picks on a sci-fi concept, tries to hone in really closely on like his rule set that he wants you to care about, explains it a little bit, then screams at you, don't think about it too hard. Mm -hmm. And then like lets the movie play. And then let there be an action movie wrapped around this concept happening repeatedly. Um, And in that vein, Nolan succeeds magnificently, right? He creates a spy action movie unlike any other that is just incredible to watch. John Washington is amazing. Robert Pattinson is great. There are key moments in which you adore watching Pattinson play the role of not just the friend, but the guy who knows just a little bit more and doesn't want to share it. But you can see that he has it brimming on his lips. And I love it. Right? Um, Kenneth Branagh, I mean, I have spoken my love of Kenneth Branagh Uh, many times. Sir Kenneth Branagh. Sir Kenneth Branagh. Thank you very much. In films, I eat scenery for lunch. (laughs) In in films that we we have disagreed in harshly, I have still screamed my love of Sir (laughs) Kenneth Branagh, right? This movie, he has his time just consuming. He he doesn't chew the scenery. He has it like a nice four-course meal, right? He has his cutlery beside him. He is just... He is just... Consuming it like a gentleman. Someone, and, someone you know, went to him before the movie and said, I want you to look up every Russian stereotype you can come up with. <laughs> and I want all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and it is <"Mwah!" laughs> oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> but I want to talk about one more important piece of this movie to me. Because I mean, Damien, yes, this movie is magnificent. What? Right? Mm-hmm. This movie is magnificent. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. It's Chris Nolan. Right. I don't understand. I'm, I'm happy to hear. I assumed. I, I thought Andrew was a. Don't worry. I have. A, I have a butt coming. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Right. It's not a large butt. Right. I like large butts. <laughs> That's not the song. You're not allowed to cheat. <laughs> um. But for got the a most big part. Butt. <laughs> for the most part. She's got a like, big ass. Like, I I wanted to come here and fight Damien just for the sake of mm-hmm. 
just for the sake of like giving more more tension on this podcast, right. especially leading up to the end of year, to be like, all right, we know there's one movie I need to try and push down, mm-hmm. right? Um, you're not going to get much fight for me. However, I have one thing, and I think it's it's more about the genre and about how Nolan deals with these genres of movies, which I've found I increasingly have problems with as the years have gone on. We we were talking about earlier in the year when this movie was supposed to come out, um, that video from um, Royal Ocean talking about Chris Nolan mm-hmm. and talking about his fears of Tenet and about how Chris Nolan's filmmaking has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger right. and worried that he's like going for this bombast over like interesting ideas and like fun right. stories. Right. It's spectacle of a story. Right. And while I think that still remains true for the most part, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think there's one thing as to why I have a problem with one thing Nolan does, right? And that's specifically the way he he deals with his science fiction, right? The nonsense in his movies. Yes. Right? It's something that I've hated. It, it's it's less prevalent in the comic book movies because while those things have like things that don't really exist, right? You understand. Generally, not science fiction, right? And you, un- right. it's been with us so long that you understand why Batman is Batman. Like he doesn't have to convince you and explain away why Batman's Batman. You're just like, no, uh, of course. course. To explain away, he can just say, "Listen, it's not me. Is is mm-hmm. the comics, right? You know." How does this bad thing fly? Hey, 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 just relax. Comics. Autopilot. Um, okay, <laughs> just don't ask questions. This bad. So, so the inherent concept of the science fiction in this movie is, as I said, like mm-hmm. things are put into reverse. Yes. So like you go into, he, I think early on when they're explaining the concept, he is like with, um, I don't know the name of the actress, this one woman who's who he like picks up a bullet that's in reverse. Right. Right. It's the first time actually like, as I oh, said, yeah. I was in Bruges Lady. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I was watching the scene, and it's the first time I realized that while the concept, the science fiction concept itself, discusses the idea of the the effect coming before the cause, right, is the way they word it, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're seeing the bullet raised back into his hand, but you still see as the lady is explaining to him, like you have to have dropped it. Right. Right. So he still has to trigger the event mm-hmm. by actually like doing the action with his hand to like let it come back into his hand. Right. Because at the end of the day, the bullet needs to start in his hand is the idea they're letting you understand. Right. And that at that stage, the movie keeps it so simple and so beautiful that I'm like, all right, I get you. Mm-hmm. I'm in. Yeah. Right. And then you start to see it play out in all of the action scenes, like the one that's in the trailer where you see him going to that glass room, which is right. in the right where he's like the thing hasn't happened yet. And I pay so much close attention to like how these things are all co- choreographed and designed to work. Mm-hmm. And for two solid hours, this movie's like two and a half. Two solid hours, I'm assuming. I didn't check the run the, the actual timestamp. Yeah, movie. Half. This this movie is running perfectly with this idea and everything about how these action scenes are constructed and how it plays with the science fiction, everything, I'm not going to say completely made sense to me, right. but at no point did I find myself doing the thing, and this is the thing that I find the Chris Nolan science fiction action movies have my problem, 
is that they throw you so many changes into like not necessarily the science fiction but the applications of it right that you find your brain mm-hmm. having to spend extra time comprehending how it worked versus enjoying it as an action scene yes right mm-hmm. does that make sense damien yes I, I know exactly what you're talking about right and for two solid hours while there were a couple points where like maybe i was like falling behind and then catching up with that idea right and still enjoying the movie when we get to the final scene the final big moment because this is obviously like it's an action movie they're going to have like the the big finale the big war scene as they call it the pincer movement yes there's so many things that get thrown in there Mm -hmm. and happened that I will get completely lost in it. Yes. Right. And these are things that can be resolved with like me watching the movie 20 more times Mm -hmm. and like deconstructing it. But at the same time, this is the kind of movie where when he explains the idea, he then follows it up with don't think about it too hard. Right. It's the the inception. (laughs) No, not the inception. Inception is the one that was a little bit easier. It's the interstellar problem. Where in the third act, it falls to pieces. And he asked you to just go along with this. (laughs) And I don't know if like you felt this way watching the movie or if this is something that you throw away because you're like, shit, there's shit blowing up. I don't care. Or if you've solved it at this stage, having watched it at least 50 times by now, I'm guessing. I mean, Um, close. (laughs) But it was something that was actively on my mind, Mm -hmm. right? Where in that and like I was writing down notes about this film where I feel like the thing that goes off in my brain is trying to decide and understand the difference between what has happened versus what is happening. Right. Right. As that concept is continually interchanging from moment to moment, from scene to scene, watching a building blow up at the bottom and the top, Mm -hmm. right. Dually where I'm like, Holy shit. I don't know which one worked where. Right. Right. And but I understand, boy looks good. I, but boy looks good, right? And I still enjoy it for the most part. But at the same time, there's that there's that interplay of my brain enjoying it and trying to comprehend, mm-hmm. and that is my one true gripe with this movie at this stage, right? Right? I understand that Chris Nolan tried to tell me not to think about it, mm-hmm. um, but fuck him, I'm right. still thinking about it. Uh, all right, let me let Douglas go first. Um, and then I'll address uh, some of the, your concerns. Yeah. So the funny thing, right? And mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm not going to start with this, but I will at least mention it because Andrew has gone there. What Andrew just said as a negative is literally my positive, one of my positives about this movie. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, first, I want to start off by saying that. Um, I watched this movie for the first time two days ago. So far, I have watched this movie twice. You can do the math. This mm-hmm. movie is about four hours long, so um, okay. I haven't actually done anything other than watch this movie. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, but what I will say also is that this is a type of movie, and as you say, Andrew, there are a lot of details um, to it. There's a lot of thinking that um, I believe is being asked of you rather than you're not being you're being asked to like wave things away. Um, but I wish that I had 
a week or maybe two weeks with this movie the way I had with Hamilton because I really want to dig deep into this movie. Um, This movie has so much. It's so dense. And not only is it dense, it's fucking fantastic. I want to go into that rabbit hole. I want to, to... see every detail um so you know there's so many things that i like about this movie we mentioned inception and we kind of have to because it's his movie um and it really is almost its own sort of genre right actually chris nolan is chris nolan Mm -hmm. he films action in such a specific way if you look at his Batman movies, you look at Inception, you look at this, they're all the same. There's obvious developments and refinements and, 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 and you know, um, larger set pieces. You know, it becomes grander and grander. But they all feel the same. But he also does this thing where, as Andrew says, he, he, he tends to create some sort of rules, some sort of... Um, he speak, Andrew, you talk about it as being sci-fi and in Inception and, and this movie, obviously it is. Um, even to a certain extent, movies like, uh, I almost called it The Majestic. What's the magic one? Um, it's The Prestige, the, sir. Prestige. Thank you. Um, where there's these rules that he sets up um, and, and films or, or creates action around those rules. And it's, it's really good. Um, but I want to point out a couple of things, right? So let's let's talk about what he has done in this movie. And I'm sure that there are act- there is actual not real science, but there are actual scientific questions around what he has put on paper. Because I mean, I think Chris Nolan is a great filmmaker, but there's nowhere he's this smart and there is no way he came up with this on his own. I, I, I just, I don't believe that. Right. I mean, if he did, kudos to him. But I, I don't believe that. But when I watch this movie, I am literally blown away by how he deals with time travel. Because how everyone else has dealt with tra- time travel before, and how we are accustomed to, to interacting with time travel in mm-hmm. movies and media is... You teleport. Right. So wormhole. Exactly. Right. Right? You are today, and then you somehow go through, as you said, some sort of Mm -hmm. hole, or you appear in yesterday. And that is how it works. Right? But what he essentially has done, and Andrew, you talk about the first explanation, and I know it does fit in with, with what I'm about to say, but in some ways, I can almost wave it away and say it's, it's a little bit different. But what he has really done is he has proposed, he has put forward a model of time travel where it actually is traveling. Where you have to, for lack of a better word, you need to drive from today to yesterday. And it takes and time because time is... A you're getting in, you're getting into the primer conversation. I, I guess actually, right? yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you are. But time is a dimension, right? And 
a, and it has directionality to it. We are going in one direction. Right. But to get to yesterday, you have to turn around. You have to about face and mm -hmm. travel in the other direction. So you probably cannot go back in time 100 years because you would die getting there. You cannot live to 100 years old. But you could go back a week because you can live that long. You can mm -hmm. take the time to travel back by a week. You can turn yourself around and walk a week's worth of time and then turn around again and go and be facing the right direction and be there a week ago. And Is I there think... an R. Kelly song here? I think there's an R. Kelly song here. <laughs> I believe I can fly in the past. Yeah, something like that. Um, but I think that that is such an interesting concept uh, a, a really cool and weird way to look at it and it also obviously um fulfills his his i want things to look very pretty and very cool fetish right yes. so it it ticks all of the boxes for him and it really like blew my mind over here and you, you speak about, you know, being, having a problem with the concept getting ahead of you and you having to catch up. And I honestly love that. So there was a point in the second rewatch, sorry, the first rewatch, the second watch, um, where they were doing the time travel business. And I think it might have been a point where um people were it, it, people were moving forward and backward in time at the same time uh, uh, and they were interacting with each other i stopped the movie for about 20 minutes trying to figure out like the mechanics of, right. of how they did this yeah not even how they did it like from how they filmed it in terms mm -hmm. of if this were real let's let's think of if this mm -hmm. were real how what just happened how did that work that's what I was thinking about because it's almost like you remember back in the day when the Matrix came out and we were all, you know, um, children and mm -hmm. you talk to somebody, what if the Matrix is real? How Pretty would much. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Mm -hmm. Essentially, yeah. that is what happened to me when I watched this movie. Um, and first of all, Chris Nolan hates you because you paused his movie. <laughs> <laughs> right, this is cinema. There's no pause button in the yeah. and there's right. no crying in baseball. <laughs> no, no, sorry, wrong thing. Sorry, sorry. Um, and I get you, Douglas. I agree. Like they, that, it, but the thing about it is that, and I, I feel like the only thing I can put this akin to is video games, which is why Damien will understand this a little bit. Like with video games, the idea is when you build on game mechanics, like you introduce the player to them, like one by one, right. to make sure they understand it before you eventually compound them into bigger problems that you now have to like do a lot of crazy things pretty much i somehow even though this movie took its time and definitely built up the mechanic in the in the story i feel like by the end of the movie like he makes that he makes that crazy ass leap mm -hmm. in like the compounding of that actual usage yep that it just took it just and because it was so far ahead in my understanding of what was going on, like, it just broke me out of the movie. Like, I mean, sure, action scenes bring me back, right? Mm -hmm. But it, it left me in that slightly confused state where I'm like, 
and I and I agree with you, Douglas. It didn't leave me in like the the. It didn't give me that bitter taste that like say the end of Interstellar gives me every time, where I'm oh, just like, wait. oh, it's bullshit again, right? Interstellar um, is fantastic. There is no bad. No, part, part no, no, of no. I love that movie, right? But I'm I'm gonna be real. Like when he gets into the 3D bookcase, I'm to just find like, oh. the space. I'm sorry you don't understand. Your, your feeble mind can't keep up with eight dimensional space, right? Oh. I'm just like, all right. I'm just like, movie. I will forgive you for this. I just know I don't like it the way this was done, right? Um, like it doesn't give me that bitter taste in my mouth. It definitely leaves me with. A, as you describe it, Douglas, that wanting to understand and that wanting to like come back to it to figure it out mm-hmm. and like get a better feeling of it. But I'm just saying now on watch number two, really watch 1.1, um, the movie, that's, that really is what got me with Nolan, where I feel like he makes that magnificent leap and I'm like just off, just like not keeping up with him. Yeah, and the truth is it's such a big concept um and watching things go backwards are not um don't work well with human minds as far as i'm concerned right so you're always going to be a step behind it's like it's akin to even something as simple as this and andrew i think you could understand because i think you're doing this but you get used to it after a while when i go to the states and drive i have a hard time because Something as simple as driving on the wrong side of the road, being in mm. the wrong side of the car is I it hurts. Oh, it it's hurts. so it bad. Hurts. It's yeah. so awful. It hurts your brain. I feel physically tired when I'm finished driving because yeah. of how hard I'm concentrating. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and that is what this movie does to you because you are trying to understand something that's going in the wrong direction. And as much as that sounds like a bad thing, I fucking love this movie for that. Um, and so much so that I actually, at one point, and I think it was probably during this 20-minute think session, I said to myself, what if I do what Damien does? But what if I Chris Nolanify it? What if I go one step further? What if I made a, a Damien cut where... I took this movie, put it in my computer, and reversed some of the scenes so I could understand like both sides of this equation. Like that's the sort mm-hmm. of thing that I was thinking about. Because there are certain things that happen that it's hard to 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 think. Now I love the way it actually tries to explain things too, without saying that I'm going to explain it. There is obviously a lot of exposition in the first part of this movie with that especially there are two big scenes where it does this, right? One is the one we spoke about already with, um, I'm going to continue calling her in Bruges Lady, even though that's clearly not her name and probably a horrible way to refer to her as. Um, and there is another scene um, where the lead character, John Washington, is going her to Her name go is to- Clemence Posey. I'm All sure right. I'm pronouncing that wrong because she is from France, and I am not reading it correctly, but that's what I'll do for now. Clements Posey. It's, it's Timothée, okay? Right. Um, <laughs> oh, Douglas beat me to the joke. <laughs> oh, I was going to say it's pronounced Timothée. 
yeah, where he's going to go out into the real world backwards for the first time. Right. And uh, so there are those two scenes. But what I really appreciate is, and funnily enough, that scene is in the middle of this whole explanation. The real explanation is not that. For me, the real explanation and, and the, the genius <laughs> behind it is that big scene, right? So that second exposition is actually sandwiched in between the proper explanation of this whole concept, which is there's a big heist scene yes. where they go and they do this heist in normal mode. But mm -hmm. while they're doing a heist, they kind of get hijacked by somebody going in backwards mode. And you, you kind of have to think to yourself, what's going on here? How does this work? Yep. And how they explain how it works is they then put you through backwards mode and you actually watch um, the other side of it from yes. that person's perspective. And so you actually see both sides of the heist um, forwards and backwards each from the forward and the backward perspective. Right. And that really gets your mind wrapped around how this thing works. And they call it a pincer move, and it's fantastic. See, the, just like the way that... Um, something that I had to sit and think about for a couple minutes was how they did time travel, how they actually facilitated it. What they have is this, this thing. I can't remember what it's called, but let's... Oh, inverter, right? They mm -hmm. have this inverter where it's essentially uh, not a tunnel, but you go into a... Actually, it's kind of like about time. You go yeah. into a closet, yep. a dark closet. Right. You close your eyes and you, you, you ball your fists and you come out and you're back in time, right? Yep. But I'm, I'm more upset that through this whole thing, you didn't call it a time heist because that's all <laughs> I've been calling it in my head. A time heist. you've been talking. It's a time heist. Andrew, you get some points there. Um... <laughs> The so you go into this um this chamber, it kind of turns and you come out on the other side of another room from the same chamber, and they have this concept where they're like, listen, you have to be able to see the other side because you need to kind of test it. You need to know if you come out because if you don't come out, then obviously it didn't work. And you think about how does that work? Why would you see yourself? And because you're you're traveling both forwards. You're traveling forwards into time. And mm -hmm. then after that, you're traveling backwards into time. Right. So technically, you're traveling forward and backward at the same time. You could turn and look at yourself coming out while you're going in because you effectively reverse in polarities, right? You reverse. That sort of shit just... Right. Oh. Oh. Yes. Oh, my goodness. But... It is great, like how they deal with this, and I want to watch this movie a thousand times more. Every time you watch this movie, you see something new. And what I like about this thing, this movie, especially because it's a time travel movie, is from from Go. You know, he does this thing that all directors do, all movies do, where there is a special amount of focus that you give to certain details that are callbacks. And it's like a, a lot of times people do it because they think their audience is stupid and they have to be like, listen, I need to focus on this so you notice 
what I'm showing you. I am showing you that this is actually the thing you saw 10 minutes ago, yes. and it's important. Chris Nolan does that in the first scene of this movie. Yep. And I remember seeing that in the first scene and thinking, did I miss it? And the answer is no. The answer is Chris Nolan knows Douglas Robinson is going to watch this a second time and understand that he, in effect, is time traveling with his callback. He is yep. calling back something he has not yet introduced, which is ridiculous. That is somebody just flexing, like Damien would say. Um, it is him just going hard on this concept of, of time travel. And it is like this movie, guys, I, I cannot like say how I, I have no bad words to say about it. Um, I just want to say one last thing. And also, I want to say that I think we need to spoil this. So once we're all done, I have something else to talk about. But before we get into that, I want to say one last thing. And it is to yet again talk about how ridiculously um, detailed this man is, how this man loves people like the three of us, where I was thinking about this time travel concept that he, he's presented to us. And there is a certain symmetry about it. We talked about going through the inverter and being able to see yourself and walking backwards and forwards in time at the same time beside each other, how symmetric that is. Guys, the name of this movie is Tenet. I know they, sh they I hate, hate you. I hate you, Douglas, because this I realized from the marketing. I, I, didn't, well, I didn't watch the marketing, so I didn't know. No, but, but just from like, you, you saw the trailers, you like knew what the movie was about, even if you didn't see the trailers, the whole concept of time turning back. I'm like, oh, that's why they call the movie Tenet, because it's a palindrome. Exactly. It's a palindrome. The word itself is symmetric. I know they, they shoehorn it in as like some sort of passcode, but it's... But even the action yeah. that he's doing, like yeah. that he says is part of the passcode, like that's a symmetrical action. Yeah. Like everything kind of like goes together. Like he... Look, if there's one thing Nolan ho knows how to do, it's how to make thematic writing work, <laughs> right? Where he's like, I'm going to nail down this one theme for this movie. And I love him for it whenever he does it. Right, whether it's about aging and the science fiction in in Interstellar, whether it's about the magician's trick and the reveal in the Prestige, whether it is about Batman and the Joker going at it, right? He knows how to put themes well into his stories, and I love him for it. Right? Yeah, this movie is fucking fantastic. I'm done, Damien. It's all okay. you. All right, so uh, in let me deal with Douglas's things first, um, um, and then I'll get to Andrew. Uh, Douglas, if you want to um, realize just how psychotic um, Christopher Nolan is about this whole panindrome thing, Tenet is carved into a thing called the Sator Stone, um, and it's a palindrome. It's five words. And no matter what way you read it, the word it comes out the same. And the five words are Sator, that's the name of Kenneth Branagh, Arepo, Tenet, 
opera rotas. Each yeah. one of these things are named in the movie at various points. So all of this exists in the movie. By the way, I know we've mentioned um, Kenneth Branagh, how fantastic he is. But I just mm-hmm. need to for put on record yes. my continuing love for Elizabeth Debicki. I mean, she you didn't have to, I mean that goes without saying every, <laughs> every movie she yeah. needs to be in it. She's killing So me. I'm going so I'm going to steal this from the internet because it's the first time this was like posed to me and I actually actively thought about it. But Chris Nolan gets points because he's going to be the first man in history to make sure people know that Elizabeth Dwicky is a fucking tall, amazing woman (laughs) and actually has her full frame in heels, like just towering over the entire movie. And I love it. She's taller than everybody. Um, So in terms, like the more you watch it, you'll see even more crazy details. Douglas, don't worry. I am here to tell you that that is indeed the case. Um, Um, and to Andrew's thing where uh, Chris Nolan puts these um, crazy concepts in what would be standard movies. Um, in Inception, Inception is a heist movie and then he stacks on top of that the dream within the dream within the dream thing. Um, and that is what separates that movie from everything. Inception is his sci-fi movie, but he has um, his 8D time travel madness in there. And that is what he stacks on top of this. We need to save the world or escape the world scenario. And this is just a standard. We're going to space to find a new home movie. Um this movie is just a spy movie. Uh, he's established as spec ops in the beginning, and then he's caught, and he thinks he kills himself, and now he's set on this mission to stop World War III, and um, if it was a James Bond film, it wouldn't have played out anything like this. But he puts his reverse time in there to make it crazy. The thing that you're being hung up on, Andrew, is the thing that it happened to me the first. When I watched this movie the first time, it was 3 o'clock in the morning and I could not get myself to fall asleep because my brain refused to let go of Tenet. I was just, my brain was just trying to understand what it was that I just... Like, I knew I loved the movie, but my brain just wouldn't you know that thing where you're trying to fall asleep but your brain is racing and you just can't like your body's tired but your brain doesn't care that is what happened but having watched this movie a couple times it finally it finally made me understand the movies the movies that i love in his oeuvre and the movies that i only kind of like the ones that I kind of like are the straightforward ones. I, Dunkirk and Insomnia are straightforward movies. There's nothing... Dunkirk. Like, like, there's nothing about them that is crazy. He doesn't have to go into his bag of nonsense to explain away what is taking place. 
you understand just by watching it there's a beginning middle and end despite him cutting time in different ways or whatever madness he tries he's not it is not him being crazy Momento, interstellar prestige inception and now tenet those are bonkers because he's deliberately made those bonkers and then there's the batman movies the thing we don't remember now about the Batman movies, because there's so many Marvel movies out there, is that Chris Nolan is the first person to make a normal superhero movie where he, he tried to ground superheroes into some version of reality. X-Men didn't do it. The X-Men movies were fine. But the Batman movie, especially the Dark Knight, was the first one where people were like, oh, no, he made, like, a good-ass movie. Like, he just made a good movie and had Batman in it. Now there's so many of these movies that you don't remember that. that is, like, that is what made him special. He took something that was basically a cartoon and made it into real movies. Now there's a lot of downsides. A lot of people complain that, especially... Um, DC, their superheroes have been dragged down into a dark place because everyone is following Batman. Um, listen, gave me Man of Steel, so I'm not so upset, but it did give us worse movies after Man of Steel. So I get their point. Um, they're slowly coming back. Aquaman was fun, Wonder Woman was fun, it wasn't dark and gritty and whatever. But the thing, Andrew, you must remember about all Chris Nolan movies, and this is what I, I came to realize after watching Tenet maybe too many times. And recently he said something about the Fast and Furious franchise that cemented what I think Chris Nolan is doing. Chris Nolan understands who his audience is. He knows that he has to ground his nonsense in some scientific fact. And so he goes in the, in the beginning and gives you just enough science so that the movie feels smart. And then what he does is make a big, dumb movie. All his movies are dumb. <laughs> They're dumb movies. Because they don't make sense. Because they can't make sense. The thing he's trying to do has no basis in reality. But he is fascinated with making this big, bombastic thing and he knows he can't just start off with madness. He has enough sense to know that. And so he gives you a little bit. He does it in... Oh, it, the Prestige was the one where I thought this wouldn't hold true. But the end of that movie is bonkers. And it isn't explained. At all. He's, he just gives you the ending and then immediately ends the movie. <laughs> it's like, hey... The reason this trick works is because he's killing these people. And then he ends the movie. <laughs> like, wait, what? And then the movie is over. By the time you, you're like, I don't think this movie makes any sense. The movie is over. And you've enjoyed yourself. And so you go back. And the trick that he does, and this is the thing I, which is why I love Chris Nolan more than everybody else, is that the trick works even after you know it is a trick. Interstellar proved that. The ending of that movie is bananas. But all the way up to the ending, every time you watch it, you forget 
that the ending of that movie is bananas. But when you get to the crazy part, he spends just enough time for you to think it can make sense. And then he ends the movie and he does it in tenets. <laughs> he does that exact same thing in tenets. And you know, I say, I think we need to talk about it just for a but when we're all finished. <laughs> as, soon, as soon as you're like, I think this is madness. The movie is over. <laughs> and you go, all right. Let me watch it a second time to see if it's actually madness. But then the trick takes hold where you forget that you're supposed to be paying attention to the thing that you went. You're like, I'm going to watch this now and just pay attention to these three things. And then the movie gets you. And you're just not, you're just like, oh yeah. And then when the movie's over again, you're like, damn it. All right. <laughs> All right, Chris Nolan. This time I'm going to watch and make sure. But the trick keeps working. It doesn't, at least for me, it doesn't ever not work. And when he said Tokyo Drift was his favorite Fast and Furious movie, I was like, all right, so he knows what I know, that his movies have the appearance of being smart, but are really big, dumb action. Like, he's not trying to make smart movies. He's making big, dumb movies. But it gives it, it has the veneer of sense when you look at it at first and then veers off into nonsense. And it is the nonsense that he's interested in, not the sense part. Okay, yeah. So, Damien, like, so, so Damien <laughs> let me talk about that because I, I agree with you, right? I agree in that entire sentiment. And the, I think that's the crux of my problem. Right, because it's one thing if a filmmaker wakes up one morning and wants to make Fast and the Furious and goes as dumb as fucking possible Torque. and tells you, you and tells Torque. you, right, yeah, Tork, and tells you at the beginning of the movie, don't read into anything, just enjoy the bombast. And it's another thing if a filmmaker goes like, all right, I've thought this thing completely through, I know exactly what I want you to pay attention to, and we're going to play around with this idea, but everything is going to make pseudo sense. Right, and you're going to be able within the confines of this movie to pretend you're a science, you're a scientist, and everything will make sense. Um, but the problem is that, as you say, Nolan wants to make the former, but every movie he makes sounds like the latter, right? And so it gives, it gives at least it gives me, right, mm -hmm. and this is where my problem comes in. It gives me that painful experience of giving the movie the attention and the and the respect of trying to be scientific with it, grounded, real with it, even though it's in its pseudo-science nonsense. And then at the end of it, it says, no, I'm a dumb fucking movie. <laughs> and then I'm just like, no, no, this makes fucking no. sense. I <laughs> Andrew, I think I think you're you've you're miss like you think he is making a smart movie. But he knows he's making dumb movies. He knows. Why does he, why does he talk about it for so long? Because right? without doing it this way, you wouldn't enjoy the movie. It, it, it is the build. It is a magic trick. It is him pretending and drawing people. Because for years, people used to talk about his movies as if they were smart. But they're not smart. Like... Batman is a 
dumb story. No billionaire is going out there punching poor people. It doesn't make sense on its face. And so he had to come up with a way to get you to believe, yeah, this could work. And that is the trick. It is getting you to even momentarily believe that this complete nonsense makes sense. All the while giving you a blockbuster action movie. Like, none of his movies are quiet, silent. Like, he, the last movie he made like that was probably the following. And that's because no one would give him enough money to make, <laughs> to make, expl like, he is concerned about making big, bombastic action scenes. That is what he wants to make. And he has to get a story to wrap around that. And what he does, and he, he did it with Batman, because we were like, oh, Batman is real and we should give it an Oscar. And all, like when Dark Knight came out, we all lost our minds. And that is when he knew that his trick works. He's like, all right, I am 100% certain. And he's just been making variants of Batman. <laughs> just... With, with weirder and weirder concepts. Like if you, you either accept that Batman is Batman or the movie doesn't make sense. That is why some people didn't like the Batman films. They're just like, this is nonsensical. And they're right. People didn't like Interstellar because of the science. He's talking about wormholes. I don't know if they've looked, but there's no real science in wormholes. So I don't know where they thought he was going to get, make sense from something that is at present nonsensical didn't work there. Inception is even and, worse. The dream thing about Damien, people struggle with. But like the thing about it, Damien, is I understand that all of this is pseudoscience. I'm not that dumb. Mm -hmm. right? Yes, Andrea, <laughs> listen. I wasn't saying you believe. I'm saying that I you are... I believe that the inverters exist and they're happening now. <laughs> I'm saying that you are hanging on. To, and it may... Now that you're saying it, I think it makes sense for you because you do the thing where you try to build the movie world in your head. I think that is what is um, presenting like a big hang up for you. You, you need the madness that is said in the movie to make sense, even in the movie world. Like you don't need it to make sense in the real world, but you need his rules to be consistent in the world that he's built. I mean, you have two choices, right? You can either go round the route of everything needs to make sense, mm -hmm. or every five minutes you explain to me that the guy who explained this to me doesn't know anything, oh. and the rules are really this, yes. right? He's a bad scientist, and these are the real rules. Like, I've figured it out. You know, it needs to go the Dragon Ball route right. of being like, numbers no longer matter. <laughs> right. It's over. You know, like, the last number you heard was a million, and then it was just... Madness. It's just hairstyles which, after that which, point. <laughs> Damien, I don't know if you caught this, mm -hmm. but in my head, I made this joke watching this movie. There's this point where he's like traveling back in time. Mm -hmm. Or no, he's not traveling back in time. It's early in the movie before he gets to the time travel shit. Yeah. And he's like traveling on the boat to go to the next place. Mm -hmm. Right. And he's like obviously on the boat for a while. And there's a point where he goes up this fuselage, yep. up the ladder, and then does um, some pull ups some pull-ups mm -hmm. in my head i just had the image and i hope to dear god somehow chris nolan is an anime fan um 
in my head, I had the image of Goku in the in the uh, spaceship, right in the time chamber. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, based on what I'm hearing about Chris Nolan, you're probably right. Uh, but you get me, Damien. You get no, where I'm coming from. Right, Look, I'm, I'm not. I 100% understand. Out of all of the movies that I have this problem with from Nolan, this one, as I said, is the least bitter taste. Right. Like, this movie still gives me that sliver of hope that if I pay more attention to it, you can make sense sense into it. I'm just saying at this stage in time, Mm -hmm. it still has that leap for me. I have a secret to tell you. It doesn't make sense. (laughs) No, no, no. That, that no matter how much you watch the final part, it's, it's not gonna make much more sense. Uh, <laughs> it's just a big dumb action scene. It's beautiful. Oh, every time I watch, like I went back and watched everything except Insomnia, and all his movies followed this pattern, where as soon as he runs out of genuine science. You get a big action scene, and then he ends his movie. <laughs> He's just like, this is the finale. This is where all the scientists went. I have nothing more. to. This is as far as we can get you. And then he's just like, that is good enough. I will blow up a lot of stuff, and then I'll roll credits on this movie. And he does it. Um, the, the, thing, the thing this movie doesn't have, which both Inception and Interstellar have is um, because it's spy fiction and the stakes is end of the world. There's nothing um, about the character that um, requires him to show the range of emotions that you see in both Inception and Interstellar. Like watching those performances when people are... Right, when it's... When it's about the wife and about him losing years with his daughter in Interstellar, like you see the physical toll on the faces of the protagonist. And so you're immediately like, all right, I understand why he is doing all of these things because he has to, it's his only hope to get any kind of redemption or to save whoever. That isn't in this movie. And so Actually, that is why I don't think it's my favorite Chris Nolan movie, but it is one, and I said this last week, it is by far the most Chris Nolan movie. <laughs> and Douglas said this, only Chris Nolan makes Chris Nolan movies at this point. No one else makes Chris Nolan movies. The last movie kind of like this was Looper, and we all enjoyed Looper to no end. But Looper didn't do the scale that Chris Nolan does. Um, and it didn't double down on its rulers hard. Right. It, 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 did, it did the Vat Dryron Ball thing of being like, there are more numbers, and you right. just kind of move on right. with it. But yeah. when one when Looper ran out of science as well, it just went, the guy has, the young man has powers. What kind of powers? Powers, powers. And then it just moved on. <laughs> listen, Damian, one thing to, you know, um, and you, you raise it, the lack of emotion. That was the one downfall of this movie because they tried to kind of shoehorn it in. Like, that's the one thing that didn't make a whole lot of sense. This connection that this man had with... Um, with the Becky. It, it, and her um, child. Yeah. It, it, 
almost felt like, and I don't know if anybody else thought this, but it brought to mind, or it brought to my mind, the transporter. I think it might have been Transporter 3 <laughs> or Transporter 2. The one with the woman and the, the, the wife. Yeah. Some sort of mob boss or something right. like that. And it he just liked her for no reason. Exactly. You just yeah. like her and it's this platonic-like... Um, so, it, it so just never Andrew, makes sense. Andrew will like this. This may annoy Douglas. One of the theories is that her son is... Um, what's his name? The, his partner. So that is Robert why, Patton. yeah. So that is why subconsciously he felt the need to protect her and him, because his but, first interaction, Robert Pattinson's first interaction with him, he's like, "Would you take a child hostage?" And he's like, "Nah." And he's like, "A woman." He's like, "If I had to." <laughs> and so, and then at the very end of the movie, he shows up again to protect her. Um, yeah, but I mean, so, that's a theory. That's Andrew will like that theory. It doesn't mean anything to me, or Douglas. Like, that's <laughs> not. I have to say. So one of the side things I love with this movie is number one, I love that his name is just protagonist. Yes. For the longest time, I thought like it was just a running joke that he 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 keeps saying I'm the protagonist, or mm -hmm. someone says, "Do you think you're the protagonist?" And like I just forgot his name somewhere. Yep. I just looked on IMDb and it's protagonist, and I'm like, yep. that's great. Um, one of the things I love, and it's it's something that I feel the internet, and I guess we to a certain degree, kind of fall into on occasion, which is that we will see filmmakers that we love, and then we will be like, what if this filmmaker made X franchise movie, and it made it special, yeah. and no going on that like it won't work, right? Even as much as like, for example, everyone wanted Chris Nolan to make a Bond movie. Right, yeah. he's British. He yeah. makes action movies. Why not make Bond? He did. Um, it's called Tenet. <laughs> right, right. But we know that when they get into there, while we have seen some interesting things in franchises, they don't get this much license. Right, right, right. They're, and at no point can James Bond travel backwards in time. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the movie was made in the eighties, maybe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was, a it was Pierce Brosnan's movie. last movie. Pierce Brosnan's last movie. Could, they could have done anything with that one. Diamonds in face and sky lasers. They could have dreamt up any madness they wanted with that one. If right. you remember what that um, one is called. But like, it's just enjoyable for me to watch this as like him riffing on Bond. Mm -hmm. I loved everything about Washington playing Bond. I'm, yep. I'm just calling him Bond in my head. Right. Mm -hmm. I loved from like the moment where he's in India and you see him do the conversation, the cold conversation of being like, I can pull this trigger. Yeah. He's right? like, look, dog, you're an arms dealer. This will be the <laughs> easiest trigger I've ever had to pull. And I went, yes. I loved I loved all of the spy shit in this movie. And I think that's what kept me with this movie as long as possible. Because also, just watching it from the perspective of this man is James Bond doing James Bond shit. I mean... There is a reverse bungee jump onto the side of a building, which is such nonsense. But I love every second of it. Like it's so ridiculous. It's, it's yeah. like if, if James Bond did that, I'd clap. I'd be like, "Well done, James Bond. You're doing yeah. it right." Like, like they are Batman getting yeah. out of a, a Chinese um, skyscraper. By yeah, man. Like being pulled by an airplane. Every Chris I mean. Nolan madness is inside of this movie. 
all he needed was a folding city and he could retire. Like, <laughs> just like I've done it. I've made peak movie. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> um, I, so having watched the movie enough times and having sort of talked about it last week, I finally went on the internet to look at like people's um, reviews of the movie because I didn't want to color what I thought about the movie. People had been writing reviews from like the middle of the year and I ignore all of that madness. And of course, like with all movies, there's people who don't like the movie and I get it. You guys don't understand what these yeah. movies are. It's the same way. Like when I see pe- people are writing terrible reviews for like the Fast and Furious movies and I was just looking at them going, I don't think you guys know what the movie like you walked yeah, into that movie knowing it was Fast and the Furious or a Chris Nolan movie. What are you expecting to come out of this movie with? I don't, I don't get it. But it's not for me to get. I got the movie I wanted. Um, I didn't do like Douglas and buy a movie before I saw it. I try not to do those things. Andrew can testify about buying things beforehand. With a certain video game that that Sony is giving him money back for, I deleted it. <laughs> I'm not on my money back yet, but it's literally deleted yeah. off the console. And I'm like, look, whether they deny me my refund or yeah. not, I play that game in six months. Yeah, exactly. When they when they, when the game is out, when Cyberpunk is actually out, uh, then sure, I'll listen. I don't. I'll still like The Witcher. So whenever they fix the game, but. Clearly, I've the got, game wasn't ready. Games to keep me, keep me, yeah. keep me fed. Yeah, the game wasn't ready. So, um, Tenet is a masterpiece. Like, it's it's Chris Nolan at his most. Chris Nolan. He's he turned fifty. He made his birthday present to himself. I guess who knows. Um, and it's been fantastic to watch him make these movies because, like, we were. We were on Chris Nolan from Earth. Like, this, it it wasn't just Batman. Like, from Memento, we were there. And, like, b- after he made Batman and the Prestige, we were we lost our minds. By the time The Dark Knight came out, we all already anointed him, movie Jesus. And to know that he's had so many opportunities to squander all of that goodwill, like, say, a... Peter Jackson or a certain man what made and I, I don't I don't like saying this out loud because Andrew gets upset because he likes Warhorse because he thinks the movie's good <laughs> but like Spielberg Spielberg took years uh, and years of Goodwill and threw it away Peter Jackson took three movies of Goodwill and threw that away <laughs> and Chris Nolan has been given a lot of money and a lot of opportunities to throw all of that Goodwill away and to know that he's still putting out bangers he is the Missy Elliott of movies. There I said it. You know, to call it back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to the beginning, I don't know if people will hear. <laughs> no, they'll hear that. Oh. I think I'll leave in all of that. Like, from, from the clip plays, like it's in. Oh, part, okay. Sort of like reading out credit card numbers. I'm oh. like, I'll leave it in. <laughs> oh. uh, four, six. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, I I really do like this movie. I'm going to struggle to see where it'll fall on my list because it's it's as I say, I'm still in that mode of like playing around with it in my head. Right? I know it's in the list. 
I just, oh, I just this know. is a very easy twenty twenty. Um, um, I think I think it's also because like now that we're getting closer and closer to the end of the year, I've been feeling more and more comfortable with my decision of ten films, not necessarily their order, right? Right? Where I'm so now like it's getting to the point where like a movie has to crack in, right? And then you have to like reconsider everything. You're like, oh, are you better than this? I still don't right. have ten good movies. All right. On my list. So, so, so it's Last of Us to Tenet first call. Those are my top ten movies on here. <laughs> oh wait, I haven't talked about first call on. The, I think only I haven't said anything to you guys. About, no, no, you have that for the end of the year podcast. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I need to watch that movie. That's that's happening next week. <laughs> cool. Um, I don't know what like. All oh, right, there was one last thing I wanted to mention about Tenet. Um, favorite line from mm-hmm. the movie. Mm-hmm. I ordered my hot sauce an hour ago. No. Nope. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is not. That's not my favorite line. Well, what's your What's your nomination? Mine is a very big spoiler. So I can't, I can't, I can't say it. <laughs> you, you have like a fun line like that. Yeah. Throat, yeah. So. <laughs> this is like a massive spoiler. <laughs> Um, Douglas sounded like he wanted to start spoiling this movie. Do we want to go into this? Douglas, is there more you need to talk about yes. with Tenet? Well, I mean, the more I think about it, the less, uh, I, I, the more I wonder if we really need to talk about it. But and we'll have another year to spoil this movie. Yeah, and well, we, we spoke about um, how he always does something ridiculous at the end of, the, end of his movies, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I wanted to discuss. Yes. Uh, the pi- the pincer movement. Uh, no, I can't finish the rest of this statement because it's a spoiler for the movie. Damn it! <laughs> a movie that lots of people didn't see. Yeah. Usually, usually by this point, when something's on physical media, we're like, "All right, it's all game." Yeah. Like the people who wanted to see this saw this in the theater. Yeah, a lot we're of good. people haven't seen it. Right. But given what 2020 is, not yeah. a lot of people saw this Listen, movie. If there's one year I can understand people not spending extra money to watch anything at all, it's 2020. <laughs> it's like, I'm not spending any more money for the rest of this year. There's a gentleman at the end of this Tenet movie. He is like the head of the of ops. Oh. And oh, when I, I saw I him, I was just like, okay. could they not get Tom Hardy? Is that what happened? Is, he, is this man just discount yeah. Tom Hardy? Yeah. But I do love him being in the movie, though. Yes. I do love Like, I know he doesn't have as many roles as Tom Hardy that we adore. Right. But he's the kind of person that I feel like if he gets the right run, if he gets the right characters, like, he'll be great. Right? It's not... I think he just gets the wrong movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be sad when... Kind of like how people were talking about Marvel movies and Stanley. I'm going to get sad when there's finally a Nolan movie where Michael Caine isn't there because he's yeah. getting there. They'll, <laughs> they'll do the Mandalorian thing on CG. My in. That's the thing I love about Nolan. Nolan and, you know, there are a few other people that do this where they just get um, followers, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, think about the leap Michael Caine had to take to trust Nolan to be in no. those first movies. 
And then he's just like, yeah, man, if Chris Nolan calls me for any reason, I'm on board. Every time I look at um, Patterson now, I cannot believe that he was in those vampire yep. movies. Yep. <laughs> it is, so is it wrong that I've been reading on the internet? And I'm just, I know this is completely bullshit, but I'm enjoying it nonetheless. Mm -hmm. People want to say that the line about the twilight of the world is like a yes. joke on Pattinson. Or, so if you're going to take that out of the thing, then that is my favorite line in the movie. <laughs> We live in a twilight world. Every <laughs> single time they said it. And I saw him, I went, oh, this is you know beautiful. I never, I never caught that. This How is did I not? beautiful. Because <laughs> when we think Robert Pattinson, we think The Lighthouse and <laughs> other better movies. <laughs> There's no way Nolan didn't do that. There's, this is so 100%. It has to be. <laughs> we live in a twilight world? Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Oh, God. This stupid movie. It's so good. Um, the thing, I understand why he can't do it yet, but um, the shots, the IMAX shots in this movie, like every time it happens, uh, the, the, the TV fills up with picture, and I'm like, I want this. I want more of this. <laughs> I don't want these... These inimascop shots anymore. <laughs> I want the full IMAX shots. I want the TV to be filled with picture. Um, so I know I know you know this, Damien, but the IMAX ratio is actually bigger um, mm -hmm. than what you see on your TV. I know. Um, but I, I there's no IMAX in my yard. Yeah. Um, I'm going to look. I'm going to look forward to when COVID is over and I can like go to like a reshowing of this at the IMAX. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, <laughs> I'm never going to care about you. <laughs> um, the, I think we should probably stop talking about this movie. But yeah. I knew, I knew, and this is a true nature as to how we know, like we truly like a movie. Like we just want to keep talking yeah. about the fucking movie, yeah. nonstop. Yeah. Um, also, these effect, like I understand that it's computers that does the reverse shots and whatever, but. Like, the first time he steps outside and everything is in reverse. From that point on, and then that final scene where there's things going forwards. I'm, I, like, I don't know how they're doing it. Like, smoke is being reversed. And not like, it's... The choreography in this movie is out of this I think, world. I think in some shots, not all of them, I think they actually reversed it. And they had to, like... They, they, it's kind of like I remember there was this video online of Michelle Gondry before we care before we didn't like Michelle Gondry, right? Um, where who doesn't like Michelle? Talk, talking about filmmakers giving up goodwill, Yo, Michelle trust. Gondry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there, there was this video that he put online of him solving a Rubik's cube with his feet, mm -hmm. and then eventually you realize what it is. It's like he's messing up the Rubik's cube, and then he with his feet, and then he, he reverses, reverses it. the video. Mm -hmm. So I think most of it is like they actually had to film the choreography of them doing the actions in reverse for a lot of the shots. Yeah, I mean I understand that there's a lot of trickery going on, but boy. There's Definitely some trickery somewhere. Yeah. And I'm going to get to the bottom of it because there's some making of shit that I'm going to watch. I'll never. I'm, I don't want to like, see how the sausage is made. <laughs> you, know, you know, 
I, I know that we talk about it as the years have gone on in the last decade of us top being on this podcast, collecting movies in physical media, the, the, um, the less and less nature of us diving into special features on discs. Yes. But there's still the occasional movie where I'm like, I want to see some more. I need to know. I need right? to know how they're doing this. <laughs> right. Whether it's just even production shots yeah. of like seeing how things work. Because at the end of the day, I'm that inquisitive person that is curious to see how things are put together. Yeah, man. Especially when you can't figure it out yourself. Also, also you're the type of person who develops whole other movies in your head that isn't in the movie. You're that yep. person. Uh, which, the know. movie in which Elizabeth Debicki is James Bond and she fly kicks people because she's that tall. You didn't have to put that in there, but you did. No, like, all right, yeah, right. What Anyways, the, I'm the protagonist. Right. I watched The Expanse. <laughs> all of it. Twice. Before this season started. <laughs> Got to the end of season four. Realized I still have... you have a job? Sure. But you know why The Expanse is good? Because you can just keep on watching it. All the time. It doesn't get worse. It just gets better. Um, and then they did the dumb thing of giving me three episodes. And now I have to wait. Damien, why? Now I have to wait. This is clearly an Amazon approach. Amazon has decided uh, this is what they're going to do all of the fucking television shows. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. They're like, here's the first three. And now you wait. I haven't um, actually watched any of them yet, though. Uh, yeah, it's you've seen. Have you ever seen the expanse? <laughs> yeah, it's more like that. <laughs> um, uh, the thing they do in, in this season is they've separated everybody, um, and so the stories that they're telling are more personal. Uh, but it's the it's the expanse. Um, and then I watch all of um, Baby Yoda and the Mandalorian. Um, Damien, tell me you're with me. With with what? Are you on? Are you pro season two or negative? Who on earth is in, is, is negative? The, the, other, per, the other person here. The is lying. I'm it's more negative. Mandalorian. I'm, I'm not negative season two. What I am not fooling myself with is mm-hmm. that season two is like any better than the first season or great. It's just more Mandalorian and yeah. also. It's not as good as the first season. No, it's not as good as the first. I will agree but with that, you. But that's fine. But it's it's I, space I, I, cowboy. Like yeah. <laughs> listen, the, they they ran into the issue we all knew they were going to run into. They had to yeah. tie back into Star Wars. The yeah. problem with season two is that it wasn't just Mandalorian and this baby just out in the world doing like episode one was that. Where he yep. ran into whatever and killed a, a sand dragon or whatever it was. And you're like, all right. But now they're telling a story. Yeah. And this is the problem with Star Wars. And every other episode is fine. Yeah. And the, and the problem with Star Wars is they have to tell a story. <laughs> yeah. I don't care about Star Like that final episode, people are losing their minds. I was just like, of course. Yeah. I, like, if someone had asked me who the Jedi was that was going to come for the baby, 950,000%, I 
other bet every dollar I had that it was going to be him. And it was him. So I'm a little upset about it. And I have two notes as to why. Right? First of all, number one, as it relates to entertainment value, fucking I loved it. Right? But I have two problems with that happening. And it's going to be the same problems I had with um, Interstellar Part 2 i.e. Tenet. Um, the, and this is the thing you say I do all the time, which is building movies in my head. Right? Number one... Guys, just recast the fucker. I don't need the deep fakes anymore. I'm tired of it. Disney right? will keep going until they get it perfect. Right? Like it started with Tron. It's a lot better <laughs> than it was in Tron. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. But you can just look from us to the glove and the color of the lightsaber. I know who we're talking about. You don't need to. And you even have the fucking droid there. You don't need to deep fake it. You can put a different face there. Hire someone else. Um, number two. The fact that they used him, and it's not that it upset me that he's there, right? That's not the problem, right? The fact that they used him, it did a thing. It made me finally do a thing with the show that I've been ignoring for most of the show, which is it did the same thing that I guess a lot of people were doing with the solo movie that I didn't really think about me because I just didn't like that movie. When you finally saw Darth Maul in the solo movie, which is it dated it, right? Yeah. And I start to like think, oh shit, when I really am I? Like, I'm not in the far off future that I'm just far enough away from what's going yeah. on. I'm like, all right, so I'm definitely like around here-ish. Right. Season right. one, season one was Mandalorian, a Star Wars thing. And season two is Star Wars, a Mandalorian thing. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah. And they, I mean, it. I understand why they had to do it. It's an insanely popular thing that, so you have, like, business-wise, you have to tie them together. That is what the the Marvel Universe or whatever they call it has taught them to do. So you can't have them be disparate in any way. I knew this was going to happen, and it happened. I think also it makes sense based on like their recent announcements from the industry day where they're like no announcing like 10 Star Wars things and they're like, all right, we have to somehow connect these so that we know how they play together in like our Bible of story. All right. Like Boba Fett came in there and I was just like, all right, I know where this is going. And there were some cool twists and turns having Bill Burr come back and whatever. That's fine. But this it became the show became less and less about Mando playing with Baby Yoda and getting up in getting up to hijinks. Like the only other solid episode in the season was the one where he was eating the eggs, where they had to fight <laughs> off the spiders. That was just oh, a rock solid episode. I forgot about that one. Yeah, such a good episode. <laughs> With the with the heist where they're like going in and Carl Withers is there yeah. again. Um I also like I fucking loved the the Ashka episode. The episode with Rosario Dawson. No. 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 No love for Peter Weller. Because the baby had nothing to do with that episode. The, the, the thing about this is it is Mando not being sure how to take care of this baby and this baby being mysterious yeah here's the thing right and and they took that I away know. from us i know at the end of the show the mysterious like what is mando season three what is that 
who wants to watch that? What exactly. is that even going to be? Exactly. So I want to that. You have fallen in the trap that everybody else has fallen into. And this is why um, when you say things like, oh, how great it is, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Um, let us take as an example that episode you were talking about with Rosaria Dawson. You love that episode. You know why you love that episode? Not because of the episode. Because Star it has Wars. somebody that you like. Yes. Right? Actually, actually, no. That's, actually, no. That's completely true. Untrue. Because I know that character comes from like a Clone Wars cartoon show that yeah. I have never fucking seen. Yeah, but you've decided you want to see more of that. Don't no, I have not. Literally, because I remember that, that she has her own TV show and she's going to. She's apparently going to get her own yeah. show in like all of the connected shit they're about to make. Yeah. No, thank you. The truth of the matter is, I like that episode just because I thought it was fucking dope, right? Uh, here, here's what sucks after 400 years of Star Wars laser swords. I don't need it. <laughs> I don't need force powers because I've seen where that road ends and it always ends poorly. So you know what was great about Mando? No force anything. The baby had powers, but the baby wasn't a Jedi. So at any point, the baby could just do magic. And you'd be like, that is dope. And then the baby would fall asleep and he'd be confused. And I'd be confused. And then they'd move on. But they couldn't do that for too long. Because Star Wars people love Star Wars more than any individual piece of Star Wars. And what is Star Wars? Laser swords. And force nonsense. I, listen, when um, Esposito had his lightsaber thing cutting through stuff, I was just like, please don't let this be what the show turns into. And that is exactly what the show turned into. And that is, look, I'm glad that Star Wars people are excited, but I'm going to call it now. You see, in two years, when you're all bitching, that Star Wars is trash again, I want you all to remember that you did this. <laughs> you could have made Mandalorian pure and lovely, but that is not what you wanted. You wanted Star Wars nonsense in there. And you got it. You took something perfectly great. The baby didn't have a name. The baby didn't do it. It was just baby and Mando walking up and down, hiding from bad guys, beating up people, and he went, all right, I'll watch four or five seasons of this. And they're like, Damien, we tried we tried as hard as we could, but um, George Lucas and Disney said uh, they need to sell toys, uh, and nothing sells toys like laser swords, so you shit out a lot. I went, all right. <laughs> I've never had a laser sword. At least I understand. Uh, but I don't know if you've been on the internet. The internet has them. <laughs> a lot of... like recently Disney had their whatever they call that video thing where they announce everything. Um, and I watched um, basically a wrap-up of the Marvel TV shows and the Marvel movies. And I watched none of the Star Wars sections. <laughs> the people had wrap-ups of the Star Wars point. I was just like, no, thank you. Because the track record of Star Wars is bad you guys don't like when i said that but the numbers bear out my side <laughs> of the equation there are bad one there are two excellent star wars movies out of the nine 
and two out of nine, even at UE, is a failing grade. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, you guys have been complaining more than you've enjoyed the movies. And yet you guys keep demanding more of the movies. It doesn't make any, I don't understand. But it, I, I guess it's not for me. Like, I didn't get Star Wars. I didn't get it when Star Wars was given away. So I'm just on my own. But Andrew, congratulations. You got the, the season you liked. And me and Douglas know what is about to happen. Uh, so, so Douglas, um, I guess we have to find some other show that we're going to enjoy on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> All right, they have the Marvel show. There's, there's a WandaVision coming, yeah. Winter Soldier and Falcon. That Loki, the Loki thing looks oh, good. I was concerned good. about that. The Loki thing looked good. The I'm talking Owen Wilson in that trailer, just being yeah. Owen Wilson. I'm like, oh, I can't wait um, for that show. So their TV shows look like they're they're going to be good. Also, they've made enough Marvel movies now that there are more good Marvel movies than bad Marvel movies. Like Douglas only has like three movies he'll never go back and watch. Yeah, the rest of them bad, like yeah. active bad Marvel. Movies. I mean, there's there's them Thor's. right there's Thor two, which is barely a movie. I mean, that's just bad. First two Thors are bad. No, First Thor Thor bad. one is bad. Thor two is abysmal. Yeah, I agree. And then um, you have Iron Man, but I think that's about it. Is there anything yeah. else? Right. And I'd like I'd like if we could just for my sanity. Yes. Can we just never talk about Thor again? Because I just prefer <laughs> that we like I'm not saying I agree with you guys. Yes. I just don't want to do it anymore. Tired. Right? <laughs> You're tired of fighting this losing battle. <laughs> Understand. All right. For you, Andrew, we'll make it's yeah, 2020 we'll been a rough year. So <laughs> we'll leave it alone. We'll leave it. We, right. For you, Andrew, 2020, Thor, the first Thor is an okay movie. All right. Cool. All right. <laughs> um, Thor 2, though, is not a movie. Can we at least accept I, that? No, I'll accept that Thor 2 cool. is quite possibly the worst movie of all of the Marvel films. I mean, and he made a Hulk movie. So. No, no, no. <laughs> I know oh, the yeah, new ones. I know, like, I know, I, I know the new ones. The Hulk can, the Hulk can, can work. Yeah. Actually, actually, FYI, I recently, and by recently, I mean like within the last three or so months, I rewatched the the Edward Norton Hulk movie. Yeah, the movie's not good. No, it isn't. You were wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. I actually yeah, I know wrong. that I was wrong. As no. much as I still, I still sort of like the early parts where he's just kind of being Ed Norton and right. hiding away and trying right. not to hold out. Yeah, man. Like for the most part, that movie's not good. Right. Once. Once he goes into the city and becomes the Hulk, uh, that movie takes a, a big nosedive. Uh, if if you see Liv Tyler on the screen, it is bad because she's bad. I do, I do, however, appreciate that Marvel decided to keep the best part of that movie, which is William Hurt. I mean, you know, you're just angering Douglas. Douglas finally <laughs> made a concession for you, and this is how you do him. That's not. Listen, we have to be nice. It's 2020. It's the end right, of the world uh, here. I'll, I'll retract that. Thank I'll you. retract that bit. Thank that you. bit is retracted. Play nice. We'll never talk Thank about you. William Hurt again. <laughs> Thank you very much. 
Yeah. What? What? Are, right. I was talking about what I right. It just expands. Yeah. Expands and and then we got Star Wars, the Mandalorian, yeah. and I think and and sports like. Yeah. Um, so, man, you is second in the table for some. I don't. I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> but congratulations, man, you fans. It's it's the hope they give you before they murder you. You're almost you're almost a proper team. If you could just play football for two halves, look, look, like the thing am, that they ask you to do, two halves. I am nothing but fascinated in how Ole is able to pull out wins or pull out results only when his everything seems to be gone. <laughs> right? It's just like the games themselves. You need to be down four love before they right. start scoring. Before they're just like, oh, right, right. we play two halves of football? <laughs> Not just the second half. The first half is, it counts? I didn't know the first half counts. I yeah. just find, I mean, you could put it down to averages and you eventually you have to play bad teams, right? But still, like, it just, it, I find it magical yeah. how it works like that. Your team is bananas. Douglas' is team. I still, don't, I still don't have hope for, like, when the season is over, we're in the top four, but still. No, you'll be in the top four because who, I mean, look around you. There's not that. There's not a lot of strong teams. Liverpool, Spurs, Leicester are not. Sorry, I was about to say Arsenal, but I was a lie. Um, Liverpool, Spurs, Leicester, and uh, Everton. No, I was going to say Chelsea, maybe. Oh, right, no, right. So it's Chelsea, you, Tottenham. Like Man City clearly doesn't care about this. <laughs> like they're not playing properly. So we've seen it when they play bad. These things are. Uh, right, uh, Andrew, what have you... No, because you're going to take forever. Douglas, <laughs> what have you been watching? I looked at my letterbox and mm-hmm. apparently I've watched nothing in the last two weeks. Yeah, man, Why? that sounds right. <laughs> because in the last two weeks, I have watched four seasons worth of The Expanse. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So like, guys, I'm not much different from you. I really haven't caught, watched this much this week. Like, but you watch Expanse? Really, Finally. No, no, I'm not watching Expanse. No. Uh, this week, I've spent most of my time like rewatching a bunch of shit. Like, I've been watching Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been watching like I rewatched Constantine. I rewatched The Gift. Right. I rewatched Kung Fury. Right. I watched a bu- I rewatched a bunch of things. The only thing that's new to me that I watched is I watched another episode of Small Axe. Um, so I finally got around to watching the Boyega episode, Red, White, and Blue. Yep. Um, it ha- it is so far it is my least favorite episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it has one of my favorite moments, which I feel every family has to have had this moment, right? So Douglas, this is the best. He Boyega is at his family's house with his parents. And his girlfriend, um, I don't, I can't remember if they're married or not officially, but whatever. And they're all playing Scrabble, right? And, you know, everybody's having a time, people playing big plays, people doing their thing. And then the girlfriend, um, Boyega plays a word, ends it with an S, and the girlfriend plays sex on it. Mm-hmm. And immediately the family clam up. And they're like, hmm. This, this, this. <laughs> and then words that you see that the guy, the father, everybody mm. starts passing because they're like, we can't play on top of sex. Yep. And he's 
father has the last letters away and he seems stare at it and he goes like no pass yep and like best moment <laughs> just... uh, that one was the most heavy handed one um there's no subtlety in that um no. version uh but I still listen uh, when you finish. Never mind. <laughs> I still have, I still have yeah. two more episodes to watch. Yeah, man, when you finish, um, so I'll get through that. Otherwise, I've just been watching a lot of random stuff. I have been watching. I have started going through, and I've gotten fairly deep into finally watching Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, um, which is pretty great. It's all right. Well, I all right. So now <laughs> you going to want to two note for this, Andrew Robinson. Yes, sir. I asked you a very simple question. Uh, What's that? A couple weeks ago, I asked you, "Is Attack on Titan good?" <laughs> and you said you responded yeah. in the affirmative. You're just like, "Yeah, Damien, it's good." No, I feel like we talked about the show over the last five years, right? Like, no, no, I clearly was not. Um, I wasn't clear enough in my the fourth season just started on that show. Right. That is why I this I'm like, all right, this is the final season. Let's see what this madness is. And I said, all right, let me ask Andrew for an honest answer. Uh, and he didn't give me an honest answer. He said the show is good. Uh, and I am here to tell everybody that it is not that. Uh where are you in the show? Can I, I am how far did you get? I am at the end, well, technically the beginning of season three. Oh. Uh, I watched the first two seasons. And the show is varying further and further away from sense. Well, well Listen, even for anime back, standards. Going, going back to what we spoke about earlier in the episode, yeah, this man. is a this is a show that doesn't make sense. Yeah, man. Right? But you see, you didn't impress upon me, nor did the internet impress upon me just how anime this anime was. I thought that the reason people like this was the action, right? And some storytelling. But I still am not certain what about this nonsense people enjoy I've... i have to say that of all of that show the third season is what i love the most right i love the introduction of that guy whose name i've already forgotten who has the front guns mm-hmm. right um i love all of the battles between the the captain the short dude and all of the things that happened like the third season i felt had like the most action ridiculousness in it so right. what All I've what I've heard about the third season is that they explain once and for all where yeah, the there's titans some, come there's from. There's some bullshit explanation going on, but Damien, that is that is bad science going on right. where they're just like the numbers went higher. So so Douglas, right? for a show that is grounded in nonsense. <laughs> I've I've actually watched the show. I know what you're talking about. Okay, so have you finished all of it? No, I watched it a long time ago, so okay. I think I may have watched the first. I definitely watched the first season. I mm-hmm. may have watched the second season. I definitely haven't gone past. Right. So, so like apparently, the explanation for where they come from is so stupid that it created a division 
amongst the fans of this show, which <laughs> that is literally what I'm looking forward to now. I need to, it's the only thing driving me to keep watching this show. I need to so, see okay. just how dumb the explanation is. I so, need okay. to keep for myself. Have you finished the third season? No. Okay, so well, I'm in the last season now. I'm watching it. Um, it's on Crunchyroll. As long as Crunchyroll remains a thing, because they just got bought by Sony. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you have a um, PS5, so you can. Get also, it. you have Crackle. You should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Sony owns Funimation, mm-hmm. their streaming thing. Right. So everyone's assuming that like they're going to swallow it, mm-hmm. um, in some way or another. Um, so like as long as Crunchyroll, actually, you know, here goes the thing. Fuck Crunchyroll. I really hate them. Um, like their apps are quite possibly the worst apps I've used in streaming. Nah, son, Fubo TV, one hundred thousand percent. Um, but anyways, so I'm watching the last season now, mm-hmm. and I have to say, like, it's very upsetting for me to watch it now because I think it's like three episodes in so far, and mm-hmm. they do this jump where, like, you jump to the other set of people now. Know that they've explained who these two sides are. Right. And, uh, like, I spent the first episode completely clueless as to what was going on. Um, and there was very little action. And I was just not into it. Oh, so, so, the, I'm hoping- so the one thing they have that is drawing people through this terrible anime. The third they season throw it is away. so fucking good. I'm, I'm assuming that, like, you know, a couple more episodes they'll get to it. Mm-hmm. So I can tell you, Damien, read this title card and then skip to episode Listen, six. <laughs> I'm, at, I'm at the door. Like, they have the key and they're going downstairs into the father's place to read notes or some madness. So I wonder also how much of it helped me that, like, when I went through season three, I had, like, all of it backlogged and I could just go through it. In like a weekend. I mean, that's it's how I'm watching it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not watching them like weeks apart. I'm watching all of it at once. So like I'm watching season four now week to week because it's happening right now. Right. I mean, And I'm sure like eventually it'll get to a point where I'll forget about it. And then I'll watch like six episodes at once. Um, Because that's what's happening to me with anime a lot. Boy. Boy, Um, Like, I don't know how that became so popular because it's so... It's... Like Mob Psycho, I get Hana Matsuri. I get. Oh, Mob Psycho is so fucking. Good. Like I don't like Mob Psycho, but I get it. Damien, I'm going. I sh- I almost want to just tell you what episode to watch of Mob Psycho and just be like the fucking crazy fight <laughs> that happened at the end. No. Right. If I want to see, if I want to see craziness, I'll watch season one of. I mean, the only season of One Punch Man. Season. One. <laughs> I don't know what you people. Are I wonder. About. I wonder if there'll be a season three. And I don't want. Kind of I don't wrap want around no, no. And, and work mm-hmm. unless they can get back all of the people from the first one. No, I don't think they can afford that. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. So just leave it alone. Because if they make a season three, I'll watch it and then just be upset that that they did it. What is the chances that they pull a lesion and turn everything around in season three and end it? pretty unlike i don't know i don't know i've actually come to terms with recently like i remember when i was a teenager and super into anime and i used to view anime as like a premiere type of animation right i used to think it was above and beyond of western animation for a time it was um and maybe it was right maybe in that period of time like the years of cowboy bebop and those stuff 
or maybe it also was the fact that we were getting, as we like to talk about, we were getting, we were, uh, what was funneled to us was the was best. The yeah. of what was there, <laughs> yeah. right? As opposed to us now for trying to sift through it ourselves. Right. Being able to see things where it's clearly basically the South Park technology. It's just people <laughs> that they're moving on the screen. But I'm also coming to terms with re- recognizing that anime is actually built on a really cheap ass model of, of production, um, and they know where they put their money into specific minutes. Yep. Um, yeah. So like, I'm watching Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood right now, which it has its minutes, but you also watch it and you're like, oh, I can tell where like someone probably spent a day on this dialogue scene. <laughs> it. It was the thing that took me the longest to understand back when I was watching like Dragon Ball Z, where there'd be points where you watch it and you're like, this looks incredible. And, but then there'll just be times you're just like, there's no way the same people are working. on <laughs> It has to be two teams. Like it's one set of people with talent and then just people wasting everybody's time and money. <laughs> the interns get to do the dialogue. Right. You're just like this is this is oh, if I can draw better than this, then you people are doing a terrible job. Uh, but yeah, it's guys, it's almost Christmas. I mean, yeah, Andrew usually puts this out close, so it will be near christmas this will will come out like new year's probably so enjoy your enjoy weaving bye to 2020 and hello to 2020 part do as andrew has been calling it because he's a dick 2020 um damien the anime you should watch is the promised neverland you can't trick me andrew promised neverland no Look, I asked you a simple question, and you lied directly to my—I mean, not to my—to my digital face. You're just like, of course, you should watch Attack on Titan. Anime. I mean, I did it to myself. I needed something to break up the monotony of the shows I know I already like. I'm just like, let's let's do anime, and I was wrong. Constantine movie remains fun. I, I'd hope so. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. I watched it and I'm like, oh, she's in another mommy movie. She's in the dark universe. Oh man.